So it seems kind of strange, to be honest with you, to be back in here and looking at you guys, and it's a little more up close than what it is when we're outside, you know. And it, it was back in the middle of March when we stopped having services, uh, and it is just, it seems so strange in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I, I've gone from wearing my sunglasses outside to now back to my, my reading glasses so I can actually read. Uh, without st- stammering over my words as much. Uh, not to say that I won't stammer over my words because I promise you that I will, but it makes it a little bit easier when I have my reading glasses on. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of what is going on here at Simple Church. I am so incredibly grateful for the fact that we get to come back here and meet again. Um, we're going to be in a new series. It's a three-part series because so there's only three chapters to this particular book. It's an Old Testament book. Um, Habakkuk is where we're going to be. And what is really cool about Habakkuk is the fact that it's so real. I mean, it's just like this dude having a conversation with God. A lot of times when we we look at God's word, a lot of times it's God speaking through the prophets and and God kind of telling us what's going on and explaining things through the prophets. Well, this particular conversation is more about Habakkuk talking to God and explaining his heartache and where he is and what's going on with him and what he's thinking and, and what he's questioning and all these kinds of things. And he's having this real conversation with God. Uh, I, I, I think that that's beautiful. I think the fact that God's word is like that, it's raw. It, I mean, it's just like, this is the way that it is. It doesn't gloss over the parts that aren't real pretty. You know how like, you know, when, when you talk to your kids, you kind of don't tell them the whole story. You just kind of give them the pretty parts, right? A lot of times we don't necessarily give them the whole backstory. We just say, well, this is what you need to know. Well, the good news about God's word is the fact that he gives us like everything. He doesn't just skip over some parts because it doesn't look real pretty. Even the ugly stuff is in there. And, and, you know, actually right before we took, kind of took our break or right in the middle of our break, actually, uh, we talked about some stuff that was really raw and some people were watching online and their mouths were hanging open going, I can't believe he said that. I didn't say it. It's in there, you know? Um, so I, I love that about God's Word. I love the fact that it is so real and it is so raw sometimes. And this is just a raw picture of a guy asking God, what are you doing? You know, it's almost like you can hear Habakkuk saying, God, are you crazy? You know, and a lot of people in the world today are asking the question, where is God? And that's kind of the title of this little sermon series. We look at Habakkuk, where, where is God? You know, like, like God, could this really be what your intention is? Could this really be what you're doing? It sounds crazy. And God even goes so far as to tell Habakkuk, like, even if I tell you, you're not going to believe me. He's having this raw conversation with God, and God says, even if I tell you, you're just not going to believe me, what I'm going to have to do in order to get my people close to me. Have you ever had a real, honest, open conversation with God like that? Uh, a real, you know, like, God, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm taking off the pretty words, I'm taking off all all the the proper way to pray, and I'm just talking to you. Have you ever had a real conversation with God like that? If you haven't, let me encourage you that you need to, especially in those difficult times in your life where you're really strained and you're really stressed out and you really don't know what's going on. Just be real with God. I I think that I have said this before, uh, that the, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And, and the opposite of a strong relationship is one where there is no communication. So what happens a lot of times is people have difficulty in their life and they stop talking to God. Or they talk to God in such a way that, that it's just like the casual, normal prayer over my meal. God, thank you for this food, you know. 
God is great, God is good kind of thing, you know, instead of being really raw and really honest with God about what's going on in your life and where you see things and how you're hurting and, and how you're really just struggling. I mean, I can tell you that it's been as recent as this week where I had one of those real and open and honest and raw conversations with God. God, I just need you to hear me out. I, I, I know that your way is higher than my way. I, I, I got it. I understand that. But God, I need you to hear where my heart is. You already know where my heart is, but I need to say it out loud. And, and let me encourage you to get alone with God and be in a place where you can just talk out loud to God. Sometimes it's good to just hear it with our own ears. I know that we think that we say it in our mind and we can hear it, and that is true, but there's something so uh, just, just moving and stirring in our hearts when we can just say it out loud and we hear it with our own ears exactly what it is we're saying to God. And sometimes it gives us clarity about, man, what am I really asking of God? What am I really saying to God? What am, what, what am I really trying to, to verbalize in, in, in my heart? What am I really thinking? So sometimes it's good to just say it out loud. So here we get a picture of Habakkuk having this kind of conversation, if you will, with God and expressing where his heart is and how he's struggling, almost asking the question, God, where are you in the midst of all this? Um, I can tell you personally, um, I had one of those deep, deep moments in my own life. Um, coming up on the 13th anniversary of my daughter passing away, passed away from a brain tumor, had cancer, struggled with 15 months with that brain cancer. And, you know, every, every year it's always a struggle whenever this time comes around. And, and I think about where I was and the things that were going on in my life and where I was hurting and struggling and all those kinds of things. And I, I just I think about that a lot, especially around this time. As soon as June hits, I start thinking about it, you know. And, and, and I remember this one particular time talking about having a real honest, open conversation with God um, there was this one time where I was at home. I think I had to work or there was something going on. And Kasha and Kenneth went to the doctor and they were going to meet with the doctor and things weren't really going good. Um, and, and, uh, and Kenneth asked her mom if she was going to die. She, she looked her mom in the face and I wasn't there because I, you know, I would have felt like I needed to step in and say something really profound at that moment, even though I probably wouldn't have had any words, but I wasn't there. And she asked her mom, Mom, am I going to die? And the reality is we didn't know the answer to that. And she said that she was she said that she wasn't um, worried about dying so much. She was worried about us not being there. She knew Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Um, two years to the day of her professing Jesus Christ as her Savior is the day that she passed away. She passed away June the 15th, 2007. Uh, she professed Jesus as her Lord June the 15th, 2005. So I got real emotional when uh, I got that message from Kasha and I, I kind of just got down the floor of, uh, of our kitchen. It's a house that we live in now and I still remember where I was. I can still show you 
like the outline of how I was laying on the floor. And I was laying flat on my back, just looking up at the ceiling, just begging God. I said, God, we may lose, we may lose this fight with cancer. The overall picture and your plan and your purpose may be that she comes to be with you and she's not here with us anymore. I said, but God... I'm just asking you for one more small victory. One more teeny tiny reminder that you're here in our prayers and that you care about us and that you care about my little girl. And I just need kind of a, this wink from heaven, if you will, to say, I'm right here. And... uh Shortly thereafter, they had done an MRI, and uh, the brain tumor that she had that had come back was was gone. It was completely gone. They couldn't find any evidence of it. There was no explanation for why it was gone. It was just gone. And uh, we were in awe, you know. We were just blown away by the fact that, you know, God had heard this prayer, and uh, he had answered that prayer. Now, she did pass away. The cancer came back in a profound way, and she did end up succumbing to the cancer. But I just remember this really raw conversation with God about God. Where are you? I don't understand. I talked to a family just yesterday, as a matter of fact, who just lost a loved one, and... uh, they, 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 they've been here, been a part of, of what we're doing here at Simple Church and just said that selfishly they wanted him back, you know. That's where they were. They said, but they understand that even if he could come back, he wouldn't because it's just going to be a little while until we're all in his presence. And uh, I appreciate when people have honest conversations with me about that stuff. When they say, man, I... I I want him back. I'm not afraid to say that I want him back. I understand that he's in a better place. I get that, but man, I want him back. And that's the place I was in many times during Kenneth's struggle with uh, cancer. So today I just want to take a quick look at Habakkuk. be in Habakkuk chapter 1. You're probably wondering yourself, like, okay, I don't know where that is. Where is it in relation to Psalms and Proverbs? I can find that in the Old Testament. So it's five books back from the New Testament if you need to know where that is. In my Bible, it's page 737 if you need to know that. So, In Habakkuk, well, I'll go ahead and start reading, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. 
Now, when you read that, are there some things that pop into your mind about where we are today? When you read that, are there some things that kind of, okay, look, I kind of feel that, you know, where we are in society today. It, it almost sounds like Habakkuk could be up here preaching, doesn't it? Like he could be talking to us today. And he's asking God these questions. Now, God's about to reply in a way that, that Habakkuk probably doesn't want him to reply. Habakkuk, anytime we ask God a question, we're like, God, where are you? What's going on? I look around, there's evil everywhere, and there's no justice in the world, and, and like, it's like evil has run rampant in the world, and I, I, how long is this going to keep going on? Now, a lot of times when we ask those questions of God, we have a preconceived notion in our mind about how we want God to answer, don't we? We, we probably spend more time asking God for stuff than we do praising him for what we got. Am I right about that? If I'm perfectly raw and candid, most of the time we spend more time in prayer asking God for something we want or we think we need as opposed to praising him for what we've got. If I'm perfectly honest, I think that probably happens a lot. But a lot of times we go to God and we ask, is, you know, hey, I'm supposed to take my request to God. With, th with a thankful heart and supplication, I go and I, I make my request known to him and, and, and that's what I'm supposed to do. When we do that, it seems like most of the time we have a preconceived notion, we have a, a, an idea in our mind about how we get, want God to answer. We're not just, we're not just throwing it out there and say, God, whatever it is that you'd will, I, I'm, I'm good with that. We're saying, God, I need you to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And if, I'll do, if you'll do those things, then I'll praise you and worship you for how you answered that prayer. You see, ideally for me, when I was praying for Kenneth, I prayed every single day, many, many times a day, that she would be healed of the cancer and that we would still have her here on this earth. I did. I, I prayed with a, a preconceived idea about how I wanted God to answer that prayer. It wasn't until I really submitted humbly to the Lord and said, God, whatever it is that is your will, I completely, I, I'm in agreement with it. It wasn't until I got to that place that I had real genuine peace. And here, I love the fact that we've got this real open and honest conversation with God from Habakkuk. I look around, I see all this garbage going on in the world, and like, how long is this going to last, God? How long? And I, I'm sure he's probably... Got some ideas in his mind. Well, God's like, okay, well, I will rain fire down from heaven and I'll take out this evil person and that evil person and this bad ruler over here and this person over here and then everything will be good. Is that what you want, Habakkuk? That's probably kind of in Habakkuk's mind, like that's kind of what I would like to happen. Just do away with the evil so that we can just be your good, your good godly people and we can continue to do our thing. Just do your God thing and, and, and we'll continue to do our thing. Well, there's a problem with that, and we'll talk about the problem in just a second. The Lord replied in verse 5, it says, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe it even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. They're like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. Oh, on they come, all bent on violence. 
Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against the walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone. But they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. So here, God replies to Habakkuk. And what does he say? He says, well, take the, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, as it may be referenced in your Bible. I'm going to take them, and they're going to be a mighty nation. They're going to be strong, and, and I'm, I'm going to use them to accomplish my purposes. I'm going to use the evil Babylonians that are terrible and destructive, and, and they got a mighty force. There's no doubt about it that they're a strong force. I mean, even, when, even God here says that, that this is a strong force. I'm going to use them for my purposes. Now, we don't like to hear that, do we? I mean, these are people that are so wrapped up in their, their strength that that has become their God. That's what he says at the last part there. He said that they're so wrapped up in, in how good they are and how strong and swift they are and, 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 and how amazing their chari charioteers are, all of that kind of stuff. I'm going to use them for my purposes. He says it's so outlandish that even if somebody told you that this is what was going to happen, you wouldn't believe it. I think, I think if you think back to prior to your salvation when you came to faith in Christ. I think there's many times where we have this same kind of reaction, right? Like, like, like God is, is, is speaking to you and saying to you that, that you, you, you wouldn't even believe it, but you have this tremendous amount of sin, that you're actually wicked. Even though you think you're a good person, even though you think you've really done some good things, even though you think that, man, I've got some righteous deeds in my life. When you hear the gospel, there's just one time when it just all of a sudden clicks. And even sometimes when you're talking to people and you're trying to share, the, share with them the gospel of Jesus and talk about the goodness of God and what he did through his son Jesus and, and you're telling them these things, it's like they, they just, they won't believe it. Like, like you tell them, like, you wouldn't believe the transformation that, that's going to happen in your life if you surrender to his lordship. You're not going to believe how good it is to surrender to the, the things that he says are good when you embrace those things and you do away with those things that are evil in your life and you make this turn towards Jesus. You just won't believe it. And, and you kind of, you know, no matter how much you want to shake that person and get, a, get it through their thick skull that, man, Jesus really is good, and God really is good, and you, you desperately need him as a savior, and they just won't believe it. I know I was in that position. I thought I was a relatively good person. Somebody could have slapped me over the head with a two-by-four. I, I, you still couldn't have changed my mind. But it was like this one day. One day, God just wrecked my soul and, and, and tore me apart and, and allowed my my heart to see his goodness and my desperate need of a savior. And, and it was like, this is what they've been talking about. This is exactly what they've been talking about. I, this is what I've been hearing about. This is what the people at church were talking about. I was going to church, but not a Christian. This is what they were talking about. 
And, and God says to Habakkuk, like, look, even if you heard it, you wouldn't believe it. O oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal. It's a good way to kind of start your conversation with God. You are my God, my Holy One. You are set apart. You are unique, unique in your holiness. You are eternal. You've existed in the past and the present and in the future all at the same time. You exist beyond the bounds of space and time. It's a good way to recognize God for who he is. And says, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. So what is Habakkuk doing here? Once again, he's listening to God, but he still has this idea in his mind about how he wants things to work out. Surely you're not going to wipe us out. Surely that's not what's about to happen. Surely you've got another plan, and, and yeah, I hear you about how strong they are, and man, they, they really are, and we know that, and, but, but surely your plan is not to wipe us out. Oh, Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while, they're wicked, while the wicked swallow up the people more righteous than they? Oh, oh listen to that. Yeah, oh, Lord, I don't know how to get into this. Uh, I don't know if I got that kind of time. Uh, you, ever, you ever been like, like praying to God and you kind of realize how pompous and arrogant you are? To kind of look at yourself one way and then look at somebody else's sin another way. Maybe it's somebody in prison. Maybe it's somebody that's wronged you. Maybe it's somebody that stabbed you in the back. Maybe it's somebody that has stolen from you. Or maybe they've taken your heart or some piece of your heart and they've taken that away. And you're praying and you're talking to God and you're talking about how good you are and how bad they are. You, you ever been in that situation? Like, God, I, I know you got something bad in store for them because they are so, so bad. You realize that all of our good deeds, everything that that we have done that is good and all of our picture of ourselves as being good, it all adds up to zero. Apart from Jesus Christ, we all deserve hell. It doesn't matter how good or how bad or whatever you've been, how evil your deeds are, we all deserve hell. A hundred percent. And sometimes we catch ourselves in the middle of talking to God and going, oh man, look, we are good people. They are wicked people. Surely... We, we get something out of this. Surely we come out on top. Surely to goodness, it's got to be good for the good people and bad for the bad people, right? Surely that's the way it works out. Surely, surely you, you recognize that we're better than they are. Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and, and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquest? Boy, we're only doing chapter one today. It sounds like, man, we kind of 
came to this abrupt end right here at the end of chapter 1. Surely, to goodness, Kenny, that you're, you're not going to leave us here. The reality is, sometimes we are stuck here. Sometimes we pause right here in the midst of the story, and maybe we sit there for a while. Maybe we've asked God and said, God, I, I need you to work this out in my life. I need you to do something in my life, and I need you to answer this prayer, and I need this, and I need that, and all of that. And you start looking around, and you start looking at the people that have hurt you in some way, somebody that has sinned against you. And then you start challenging God. With God, you, surely you're going to do something because, you know, I'm a good person. They're not a good person for what they did to me. And then you just kind of stop and you wait, right? You just kind of, you're, you're held up right there. You're kind of in a holding pattern waiting to land. You're like, I don't, I don't know. And that's exactly why I wanted us to stop right here today. It was because that's real. That's really real. Because sometimes we, we, we have this conversation with God. We get really raw with God and we get really honest with God and, and he starts to, to kind of talk to us. Not necessarily answering our prayers the way that we think that they should be answered, but he begins to talk to us and starts to reveal things to us, reveal truth to us. Now, the, the reality of truth is that it will set you free, but first it hurts like heck, right? It really does. It, it hurts first. And then it sets us free. Well, here we see Habakkuk struggling, hurting, wanting some answers. And he starts then point out how good they are and how treacherous the people that are, are, are going to be against them. And he starts answering those questions in his own mind before he really listens to the answers that God's going to give him. I, I made a commitment to you to, to read from the Psalms as much as we can and, and, and look at just the heartache. And here we see a psalm of David as he, in uh, Psalm 40, we're going to read that. Um, how we just, I just want you to listen and hear the heartache and hear the struggle and hear the, the questions and, and all of that. Because I've been here before. I've been in this place before and I know you have and maybe you're in this place right now where you're asking God, God, I need your help. Where are you? I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground he, and steadied my feet, me, as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans are too number, numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in the sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You do not require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come. As it's written about me in the scriptures, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out, as you, O Lord, well know. 
I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I told everyone in the great assembly of your unfaithful love and faithfulness. Lord, do not hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high, I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I have lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be, burned, be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame, for they said, Aha, we've got him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great. As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior. Oh my God, do not delay. This is the cry of someone in trouble. This is the cry of someone who desperately needs God to intervene. And the first way he starts out is he's talking and he says, I know of your goodness. I know of how great and awesome that you have been. I know of your mighty deeds. I know how wondrous you are. I know, I know, I know all these things. And then he finds himself in this place where he's talking about his desperate need for God to intervene, that there is enemies that are out to destroy him. There are enemies that are going to take him out, and, and he needs God to respond. He needs God to answer. I know I've been in places like that in my life where I just needed an answer from God. I needed God to say something. I needed God to, to respond. And the reality is a lot of times I came to him with ideas in my mind about how I wanted him to respond. I want to tell you something the experience in my life has been this is the only time that I really got to a place where I could experience real peace and real satisfaction and real joy in my life was when I got to the place where I said God it doesn't matter what the answer is it doesn't matter if I get my way or not what matters most is that you get the glory is that you get the glory from whatever happens. That is what matters most in my life. And I can remember praying a prayer to God when I was really honest and really raw and I was talking to him about Kenneth and I, I said, I said, God, I said, I have been begging you to save her. I've been begging you to rescue her. I've been begging you to heal her body here on this earth. And I prayed to him and I said, but God, if you have to take her life and she has to leave this place, give you glory that's what I'm asking you for that's what I'm asking you for so God I want her here and I'll not ever stop saying that I want her here but if that's what it takes for you to get glory I just ask that you get glory from her life I ask that you get glory from her life so my question to you today is this is, are you hurting Maybe like a back occurred, are you are you questioning where is God in the midst of all this? Surely He's not going to do it this way or that way. Surely He's got a better plan in mind that, that is more in alignment with my plan. I want to encourage you to do something today. It's real easy, but it's real hard. Talk to Him. 
talk to him. Honestly, openly, have a conversation with him. Maybe you need to do that at your seat, or maybe you want to come up here and pray at this altar and do it that way. I, what matters most is that you not stop talking. Where, where you've got a broken relationship is a relationship where you stop talking. So don't stop talking. You, you, either, you either are talking or you're not. And, and, and even if it's real raw and not real pretty and kind of ugly the way that you say it, that's not what matters. And what matters most is that you're still talking. So be real with God. Have an open and honest conversation. Acknowledge Him for who He is. But tell Him where you are. I, I, we're going to sing Waymaker in just a second. and I, I know everybody's fired up about that, and I am too. The message of Waymaker, what kind of was impressed upon my heart as I was thinking about this message is, even when I can't see that you're working, I know that you're working trust him like that today we have an open and honest conversation with him today father thank you so much god for this precious word thank you so much for the fact that god we get to come to you and we get to talk to you god you are the god of the universe you spoke everything that we know into creation with just your words you spoke it into creation and yet your word tells us that you incline your ear to us have no idea why you would want to listen to me but I know I know for sure that you do and I pray that we would just be people that are honest with you that we're just real with you God and even if our prayers are messed up and they don't look real pretty we would just talk to you God please please stir in the hearts of your people and God show them 